I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yes. Um, Teto is orange for the most part. And if this were a photo and I turned up the saturation. This is episode 86 of the Alt Arts Academy podcast. How to get your photos editorial ready with Dean Victor Varnado and Vice Queen Roxanne Lim. Well, hi, everybody. This is the Arts Academy podcast. I am Dean Victor Varnado. Uh, this is Vice Queen Roxanne. We teach you everything you want to know about the mechanics of the entertainment industry. It's such a good time over here. Uh, we haven't had an episode in the last couple of weeks because we had a lot going on. Uh, I had a, a, a gallery opening and closing. Uh, I was doing what else, what else happened? <laughs> you just like blacked out. You don't remember. <laughs> yeah. There was just like a lot of stuff happening. I just, there was too much going on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you basically had your Kickstarter and you're celebrating the, you know, preview and getting ready for the launch of your book, getting that together. We're working on some stuff with Leslie. That's right. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, uh, but we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. Now today, we are going to be talking about two things. One, we're going to talk about how to, uh, how, how to post-process a photo. And two, we're going to do a case study on my Kickstarter. Because now the Kickstarter is done, I want to talk to you about what worked and what didn't work about a Kickstarter and uh, pass all of that along. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about how to post-process photography it's Vice Queen, Roxanne. There she is. <laughs> By the way, did you see Stephen's compliment? I did. I did. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to read this out to everybody. Uh, read Steve's compliment out to everybody. It said, it's me. I'm the one person, but many more will watch this at a later time. You guys are great. So many different subjects. Keep it up. We are definitely going to do that thanks steven all right thank you anyway now talking about uh photography go get a vice queen roxanne <laughs> this is a very exciting intro um for a topic that i think is really funny to be excited about <laughs> um i apologize in advance for the motorcycles in the background uh so technically i had named this segment how to get your photos editorial ready because we're going to talk about what makes a great photo um, for publications specifically, and uh -huh. then what the process is in terms of editing after you take the photo. Uh, just for people out there who don't know, uh, can you talk about your work as a photographer with publications? Sure. So uh, I, I've done a lot of freelance photography. I've actually been shooting photography since I was like eight, if you can believe that. Um, I started out learning with film photography as a kid, and then I just kept it as a hobby over time. Um, then I moved into digital around like college. Or, gotcha. Yeah. And then I would just submit my photos to uh, contests or like to 
publications that I was also pitching stories to because at the time in college, I was also pitching stories as a journalist. Mm -hmm. So it is like part photojournalism, part hobby for me. Um, I used to have a blog that I used to take photos for and post those as well. I've done a lot in terms of random photography. <laughs> um, uh -huh. I think one of my most favorite pieces was I wrote, I did a write up on chef David Bowie. Uh, he was doing some sort of event at Carnegie Hall about Japanese food. And so I got to do a cool write up and take a lot of photos that they used. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, please, uh, continue. Yeah. So what exactly makes the photos in a magazine or a website uh, editorial ready or editorial, you know, appropriate? So usually these publications have a very specific look. Um, a lot of them are portrait based or the style is like very high in, high in like vibrancy, high in like contrast. Um, but they're also very like clean cut images because a lot of times these images are blown up very large, either for a website or again for like a poster or the cover of a magazine. Sorry, my I knocked my microphone. Um, yeah, so that's what uh, an editorial ready photo would essentially be like or be used for. I'm sorry, bad phrasing. Um, and I'm just going to go into like what these steps are before um, proceeding with an editorial shoot what the setup would ideally involve and then how to edit. So beforehand, let's say that you're the photographer for a shoot. Um, you want to know what the story is before you even get to the shoot. Um, of course, you want to be adaptable because the story can always change, but you don't want to go into any shoot uninformed about the subject as much as you can be. Um, you want to like know why it's important for this publication to have this person or this subject's photo um, and what that might represent to the audience that um, the publication is working to impress, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So knowing the story is really important. And then as a photographer, a lot of times you choose the location, but sometimes you don't. But regardless of if you choose it or not, you should know how the location can influence the photo and how you can also work with the subject to bring out um, you know, facets of why the facets of the story through that location. So are you a big scout ahead person? I like, I like scouting ahead. Yeah. A lot of my, my photo projects, I've always been really eager to, to pick a location and see how it helps shape the story. Yeah. I actually just had my portrait taken by this, uh, this famous photographer and mm -hmm. he, was like he has a an exhibit at the smithsonian but he came over sight unseen and took a picture of a photo of me in my apartment but it took three hours i guess is that the one where you're um staring at the ceiling where i'm staring at the ceiling yeah there's like a there's a portrait of you like laying down on the couch staring at the ceiling no that is not okay okay never mind <laughs> 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 do you feel that um do you feel that taking the picture in your apartment helped inform people about who you are in that photo i'm sure and in, in the photo you're speaking of uh yes i'm sure that it did um 
I believe that photographer's name might be Alex Smith, I think is his last name. I don't know if it's his last, but, but that, I think that's what he wanted. He wanted to show off what type of person I was and what kind of filth I lived in, I guess. What kind of filth you lived in? Oh, no. Well, I, the Chinese food that was laid out on the table, just because I ate a lot of Chinese food at the time. <laughs> Yikes. Um... There's actually, so in terms of location, there there was actually a spread that I don't recall the exact publication right now, but I just remember seeing it all over the place on social media that the, a very famous publication um, took photos of some A-list celebrities, but they took it in a way that was like in front of cars or like randomly in front of a tree that didn't tell anyone anything about these these stars or like what their story is and it just like didn't feel cohesive to even just regular consumers or regular audience members that had seen the the shoot they were all very disappointed um Hmm. um, and it was supposed i think it was supposed to be a fashion shoot too so i think that was very interesting because a lot of these tips and tricks aren't necessarily they're not exclusive to photographers or the photographer community it's just knowing like your audience and also knowing the story again um and how every little detail can influence that shot so yeah that is part of it part of the setup i mean a lot of other things that i'd like to share are you know knowing how to frame the photo um you want good composition and essentially what good framing means is that you don't want to you don't want to focus on the subject in a way that makes them feel makes them seem that they're this seems funny but like that they're not the subject of the photo um you also want to follow like basic composition which if you if you're unfamiliar with basic composition the golden ratio is a good place to start you don't always have to follow it but um, it is a good place to start if you're unfamiliar. I, I don't know how to describe it without being able to show it, unfortunately. You don't know how to describe the golden ratio? Without showing it? Right. Yeah, how I mean, would you the, verbally it, describe it? I mean, the the golden ratio is just like a a pattern that a lot of people use to make... the they, they, A lot of people use it to overlay uh, on not just photos, but other types of art to make things that are aesthetically pleasing. And it looks like a spiral often, like when it's uh, demonstrated. And so if you were to go out and search for using the golden ratio in photographs, you could probably see good examples. Is that a pretty good explanation? Yes, thank you. It's time, um, Roxanne. <laughs> thank you. I got you back. Tag team. Um, also when you're setting up a shot, you want to find the light. So I, as a photographer, prefer natural light as much as possible. But if that's not something that you have available at the time of the shoot, like let's say you're in the studio and there are no like windows, um, because that happens, then just setting up like basic lighting is really important. Um, basic lighting in the sense of not having the lights so bright that you wash out the subjects like skin tone you also want to make sure that like you do allow for some shadow 
shadows can actually be your friend, so don't be afraid of that. Um, yeah, just making sure you're always keen on the, like, highlighting what is, you know, what is important to highlight, which is, again, not washing out a subject and making them seem like they're not the subject. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep saying that. If it's annoying, I'm sorry. But that's the point of an editorial picture. What uh, do you mean uh, washing out the subject? What would that What would that entail? So you don't want to have the lights like so bright that the skin tone is unrecognizable or that the like the background and the foreground don't have enough distinction mm -hmm. um, unless it's unless it's purposeful there are some ways to experiment with those types of things that are purposeful so for example i've seen many um shoots or like concepts rather that the lighting is actually there's no white lighting there's no natural lighting it's all like um it's all colored lighting and people have experimented with that in a way that's very interesting because it actually doesn't wash out skin tone it doesn't wash out the subject in fact it creates more contrast so that you have more distinction yeah so that's that's something that i'm working on personally is experimenting more with lighting because from a journalism background i'm very clean cut and used to these concepts that are very um yeah for for the lack of a better term like clean cut and i want to be able to do more experimental stuff gotcha yeah okay so i guess now that we've talked about what goes into a shot and all of that we can talk a little bit about the editing and the post-processing so I'm just going to list off a bunch of like steps that I go through whenever I'm going through a bunch of photos. So of course, when you are editing a lot of photos, you'll let's say you have like 200 photos and you only really need selects, maybe like 15 to 20 selects, maybe even less. Sometimes the client doesn't even want that many. And I, this sounds really um, simple, but you want to just go through each one and <laughs> identify without even editing first. You want to identify the ones that, again, best show the subject, best show the story. Um, and then you can go into the actual editing after you've pulled those. So some steps that we do here, you can crop your images if there's like when weird. you say here what do you mean you said when we some steps that we do here oh i just meant in the process but i can, oh, okay, I can talk gotcha. about programs if you'd like oh um, no i was just wondering what you meant that's all i didn't yeah. know i didn't know if you meant like we at this place that i'm at but i but oh I, no you're just i get it yeah yeah i just meant like during the as i'm walking you through gotcha um so let's say you're in your photo editor program whether it's you know I use Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom. That's my favorite, but you don't have to use it if you're more comfortable with other ones such as Photoshop or um, I'm not sure what other ones are like used the most aside from the one that's built into Mac. Photo, photo. sorry, I don't remember the one that's built into iPhoto? Yes. Got it. <laughs> that one. I'm a PC user. 
if that wasn't obvious. Um, <laughs> so you want to, again, going through the steps. Sorry, I have to backtrack because that's how my brain works. Um, you want to pull your selects. Then as your, after your selects are pulled, you want to like start cropping them. If there's weird spacing or like any weird alignment, you can also straighten the photos. Very helpful tip um, because I actually have seen many great photos that could just be even better if they were straightened a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think also Photoshop has some pretty serious AI going on now mm -hmm. to help with photos sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's actually a lot of like cool new tools within those programs. Like you can auto-sync. That's, that's actually a really good tip um, for later on. I'll come back to it. So after you've cropped and kind of cleaned up the general like focus of what's in that shot, you also want to kind of go in and check if there's any weird things in the background, you know, like, are there flyaway hairs on the person's, you know, head? Are there like, um, you know, people in the background drawing up peace signs? Those are types of things that involve photo manipulation to a small extent. Mm -hmm. And based on your skill level, you know, you can either completely remove those. There's also tools in some of these programs where you can actually mask it, which basically just means you're taking a different photo that didn't have those things in the background and like creating um, creating a, a, like an overlay of that background that's clean and putting it into the photo that you prefer that had like a, a messed up background. Um, it is a little hard to describe that as well, but hopefully that was helpful. Also, I learned that the Samsung phone has a tool that you can actually just erase people in the background of your photos by using <laughs> this tool on your phone. And I've, I've never had a phone that could do that. So I'm, I'm low key trying to get to that point. <laughs> or I could just erase in the background on my phone. What do you mean uh, you're trying to get to that point? You don't have a, you have, what kind of phone do you have? I have a Google Pixel. Oh, uh, so you just need to just get a Samsung phone. I just got to upgrade it. just for oh, okay. that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I not really that low key, I guess. <laughs> currently, I use Photoshop and Lightroom both on my computer and on my phone. But if I could do it just built into the phone, then I don't need to have the apps on my phone. Got it. It's just a preference. These are all things that I, I enjoy doing, but not necessarily, um, you know, uh, it's not mandatory. <laughs> gotcha. Um, moving on to other steps, you want to adjust the white balance of a photo. White balance, um, you kind of get familiar with white balance over time the more you do photography. So, you know, in an ideal world, when you take a photo, you've already known, you've already taken the photo with the proper, like, ISO in mind, the proper aperture, like, all of that. But sometimes we don't. Um, actually, some of the photos that I took for the um, the opening, opening night of Victor's um, art exhibit, I had to adjust all the white balance because when I took the photos, I thought they were correct. And then when I was editing, I was like, everything is so dark. <laughs> so I had to readjust everything. Um, but they turned out great. So I think I did a good job. 
But with Lightroom, often if you do take a bunch of photos on, with the same settings, you can work on one photo and then just transfer that to all the photos. Yeah, the auto-sync method. Auto-sync. Auto-sync, yes. Auto-sync. I'm trying to tell people to do things manually before they rely on auto-sync so that they don't, they know what to do without that option. If they don't have that option, how will they know what to do? Stop yelling. <laughs> I'm just loud, sorry. <laughs> I was just um, kidding, you're not even being loud. So after you adjust the white balance, um, again, white balance is pretty much just determining if you want the lighting to correspond to daylight. Um, daylight is usually when you shoot outside. It's usually mm -hmm. warmer tones. Um, there's fluorescent, there's incand incandescent. Um, those types of lighting and you're basically just adjusting based on the room or the space that you're in. Now you're going to start fine-tuning exposure and contrast and fine-tuning exposure and contrast um, pretty much just means again making sure it's not too dark, not over brightened, people aren't washed out and you also want everything to work together in terms of shadow and light. And then after that you want to adjust the color vibrancy and saturation. Vibrancy and saturation sound alike, but they're not the same. They're not the same. Okay. Um, yeah. And I just, I just want to emphasize that because I've seen many a time saturation being the only tool used, but it's really cool to use vibrancy too because saturation kind of makes each color or color group rather very heavy and if you use vibrancy you're not getting as much of the heavy tone you're actually getting a little bit more of the like the pop for lack of a better term um instead of so for example if i were to show you my little teto plushie here okay teto for everybody is just listening to the audio she's <laughs> showing me a stuffed animal yes um teto is orange for the most part and if this were a photo and I turned up the saturation, most of the orange would be a very heavy orange. If you turn up the vibrancy though, it wouldn't be as dark and heavy. It would just be a little bit more of a pop so that right now visually, Teto's like beard, I guess, this white area is really washed out. Mm -hmm. And it's like blending with the orange. So turning up vibrancy would actually help create this distinction between the orange and the white. Gotcha. Yeah. Hopefully that was <laughs> a good example. Um, if you if you use Lightroom, for example, you can actually sort the color groups specifically. So you can turn up and down the orange versus the red versus the blue, all like very like in detail um, instead of just focusing on like I don't know. I think the the saturation button in like Instagram, for example, is a little too basic and it doesn't allow you for that functionality. But that's just me. Um, you should write a letter. <laughs> well, they're going away from photo focus anyway, which is kind of sad because that's what they were made for. But that's an aside. Um, more things you can do. You can sharpen your images. You can also blur them. So a lot of great editorial photos, they are sharp in terms of the face of the subject. Um, 
sometimes you'll see a cover photo where the subject's skin is like so crisp and you can like i don't know count the hairs on their arm or something which is like mm-hmm. so bizarre but like those things are yes they're the result of a good photographer and a good lens but they also are the result of editing where sometimes like you are putting in a little bit more sharpening on the details of the person and then you're also blurring the background a little bit so that that person can come more into the foreground i sound really nerdy i'm like listening to myself and i'm realizing how nerdy i sound (laughs) Um, i'm i'm sorry that you're so conscious about your nerdiness no i don't think it's a negative thing i just think it's really funny okay um and let's see what else oh of course you want to remove and fix any red eyes um which usually happens like if a flash is used and it reflects off of someone's eyes and makes them seem like you know, a demon um and there's lots of tools in mostly every program now whether it's lightroom or photoshop or even just the one that you like use off of the internet they usually do red eye repair like right away they have a tool so just make sure you're being mindful of that um in terms of everything else that i can think of oh a good trick for editing too is maybe you can try this at home if you have something like photoshop or lightroom you can try editing a basic s-curve um so what that means is that you're pulling down the shadows just a little bit then the mids you're just raising a little bit up and then the lights you're going to raise a little higher too so that the the color light and the shadow balance forms what looks like an s um that's a nice trick if you're just trying to do a simple quick edit Um, okay and so I, i guess people like when where you're going through a lot of this information I guess in some cases it would probably be better if like people hear something that interests them that they should probably then look up and get a visual demonstration of it. Yeah. Photo editing is, it sounds very complex and very technical. Um, and it can be, but if you ever get a chance to just try it and play around with it on your own, like I'm sure you would have a lot of fun. Interesting. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so after you've done all of this and you feel like it's ready to go, you can, you know, it, it just depends if it's for a client, you know, you, you can send it right off and ask them if there's any more edits that need to be done. If it's just for you, you can add to your portfolio. Um, you can also submit and pitch to publications if it's not already for one. So those are the things that I can think of that will help get your photos editorial ready. What do you what do you think of the photo that I edited of myself? I took a picture of myself and I edited it. This is the this is the first this is the first photo I ever like actually went through Lightroom and edited. Okay? I'm going to mm-hmm. show it to you right now. Okay. You tell me what you think. Here we go. There it is. Um it's a little small. Oh, okay, here I can I guess I can uh, zoom in on it, All right? Like this. Boop boop boop. Whoops, wrong zoom. Zooming the wrong side. Yeah, I can't see uh, your beautiful face, Victor. <laughs> yeah, okay. There we go. You took this yourself, of yourself? 
Yes. I think it's very good. I mean, like, I think that the, like, intention behind the photo is very clear. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of, I mean, like, your shirt does disappear. It, it yeah. kind of reminds me of, like, the, those old, like, 80s photos where, like, people used to take for their school or, like, yearbooks where, like, they would always wear, like, black and then they would, like, slowly, their photo would, like, slowly fade into the background. Or, I'm sorry, their shirt would slowly fade into the background. Hmm. My mom has one of those photos. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think, um... I think the editing is is good here from what i can see okay i don't know for sure i'm just asking what you think of it the reason that i made the color go into the background is because as you can see it's part of an album cover and everything else is an icon which is and then the ones that are black are just like a light color on a black background and so basically it turns my head also into sort of an icon you get that yeah you are you're an icon <laughs> yeah something like that all <laughs> right uh so if you have any questions right now and you want a question specifically about photography now is a great time to ask uh because we are going to end this episode and go on to another episode uh, this is what we usually say during the wrap-up of, of an episode though is that we are the arts academy podcast uh we do art we, uh good oh good vibrancy explanation a uh, good show Oh, that's great. Thank you. Do you want to read the question? Yeah. Stephen has asked, what's the quickest way to download a bunch of photos or a long video from my phone to my computer? Um, I think it kind of just depends. So a lot of phones have like an auto sync feature built in already. Uh, I know that iPhones, they just sync to iCloud. And then for my Google Pixel, I sync directly to Google Photos. So then I can just go into my browser um, and, and download all of those things that I want to download directly um, from the cloud. Well, um, and one way I can say that works on any computer and with any phone is if you have your computer, if you have a net, if you share your drives over your Wi-Fi network from your, on your computer, you can actually just hook directly to that, those drives from your phone so if your computer is a Mac or PC and whatever, whatever brand your phone is, it doesn't really matter, but it basically turns it into the airdrop function for a Mac. So it, it basically, you can just pick your photos and say, put them on this computer and it'll just put them all on the computer over Wi-Fi at your home. That's the, that's the fastest way I found because I don't have airdrop everywhere, but I wanted that functionality everywhere. And that's what I did. Good tip. I did not know that either. Wow. Basic phone camera, by the way. Well, then I that covers you. You're covered, man. Awesome. Uh, we are still going to talk about a, a one more subject, uh, but we're going to we're going. But we edit this into two shows, so we're going to do the ending of the show speech, which is uh, thanks for tuning into the Arts Academy podcast. I'm Dean Victor Fernando. This is Vice Queen Roxanne. Uh, you can find us at artsacademypodcast.com and alt arts academy on all social media hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 